may not have a film fixation, but we're here for a noir education. Beebity boo, doot doodle doo, deep da pow. Welcome to a real education noir. I am Melissa, and I am joined today by Tanya and Allie. Yay, we're all here! Woo! Gold stars for everybody! Woo! Hooray. <laughs> no, I know you can't see that in Radio Land, but I did the sweeping gesture with my hand and like the trail of stars led out. Of it. Yes. It was beautiful. Or possibly a rainbow. Yeah. Rainbow, rainbow colored stars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm all for it. Okay. So today we are watching a movie called Winchester 73. So dear ladies, what do we know about Winchester 73? It's probably not related to Supernatural. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although it should be. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I'm the sorry. The headcanon starts I'm, early today. Like, oh. I, I was like, okay, what's the worst assumption I can make about this film? <laughs> See, I was just going to go straight for the rifle. Well, yeah, yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming that there will be a murder with a Winchester. Interesting. See, and I was I was like, okay, I could I could either go for the rifle, which is possibly the obvious one I could go I don't know was that somebody's phone number Northside 777 that could be yeah but I know there's not enough numbers for that yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's also true so I just went with the worst thing I could come up with oh oh, okay what about this it's a factory in 1973 oh dude in a town called Winchester Pennsylvania (laughs) and like I, feel I don't like... know. Enter the deer hunter. I oh yeah, yeah. So it's like got that gritty, like realistic feeling. It's very seventies. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, seventy three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything's kind of uh, uh, taupe and yeah. I was gonna say beige, avocado. Yeah, there, there's yeah. lots yeah. of beige, lots of yellow mm-hmm. undertones. Yeah, to people, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very very warm colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is not that. Oh, uh, oh. oh <laughs> surprise! Kel's <laughs> surprise. Uh, it, this is a movie that was made in 1950. It is a western, oh. so it's one of our crossovers. Yay! Uh, this is a movie uh, made by a man named uh, Anthony Mann, who used to uh, make a lot of cheap ass films noir for like Republic and oh, okay. uh, RKO. Man and- Theater. Um, I think that's a different man, but okay. yeah, he is known for, uh, once he stopped doing noir, mostly he went into Westerns and this mm. is one of his first ones that he did. And they're very, you know, first of all, very noir, but they're very kind of dark and psychological and they're really not your typical Western of this era. Yay! Woo, yay! I'm excited. Yep. And, and we are correct. Winchester is a rifle. Yay! Uh, Winchester 73 is, uh, refers to the Winchester 1873, which is a oh, okay. uh, well-regarded rifle, and there's a pretty good explanation for it right away in the movie, but um, they're talking about a rifle that is called the One in a Thousand, where it was a particularly high-quality Winchester, and there are very, very few of them, even in those days, and like nowadays, they fetch like $100,000 at auction. They're you know, just wow. They're very few in existence. Okay. So yeah, it's uh, but it's 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 a very interesting film, and I'm excited to show them to you. And uh, it does star the lovely and talented James Stewart. Oh, oh yeah, this is one of his his creepy James Stewarts. Yes, this is actually the Woo-hoo! first one where he started kind of moving out of his typical. James Stewart roles in the 1940s. So we're so we're we're, we're at like pre-Liberty Valance creepy oh, James yes. Stewart. Yes. But 
like he's on the way. Yeah, this is this was the movie that was the turnabout. Oh, this because nice. his his career was starting to kind of flag a little after. Sure, uh, you know he came back from the war and he was in kind of a string of not so awesome right, movies, right. and this was him going. I'd really like to turn that around. Let's do this thing. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, and and this movie is kind of a a, a rogues gallery of of western character actors too so it's gonna be kind of fun playing name that actor could, could there be some jake elam no 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 there's no jack elam in this one but you'll you'll see some other familiar faces okay it's it's gonna be pretty interesting i'm so, excited we're gonna go watch it so dear listeners uh please also go watch this fabulous movie and then we will be back after a brief musical interlude to talk about it All right, ladies. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here, I feel. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fuck so, you, fifties Hollywood. Well, right. yeah, 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 very much so. For oh, oh, Rock Hudson. Oh, Rock. God, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Rock. No, that was unnecessary. No, no, Rock. No. Yeah. I mean, you looked f- shirtless, but well, well, yeah, and and at least Rock Hudson. Well, he was obviously painted for this one, but <laughs> he at least cultivated a tan throughout his career, I suppose. Because oh. um, <laughs> as we oh, know, that's Hollywood. all you need. Yeah. All you need to do all is And sometimes it was, not even that. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it was better than Charlton Heston's tan yeah. Touch of Evil. Yeah, and... I mean, there are a few things worse than that, but... Oh, you know, Burt Lancaster oh, as God. a Native American leaps to mind. Uh, there's also, um, oh, God, in The Searchers. God. Oh, who is that? Yeah, he's a German actor. Yeah. No, Horst, just, uh, what? Yes. Mm, nope. nope. So nope. not. Nope. Not, nope. Not. <sighs> so Rock Hudson was just entirely unnecessary, in my opinion. A, a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, okay, I, I full disclosure, I often think Rock Hudson is unnecessary. <laughs> Which is too bad. Well, I, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, okay. That's Aside from when he's playing Doris Day, <laughs> with Doris. Wait, I, I was going to say I that, would watch that's... that movie, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that movie should have happened. But yeah, no, really. I like Pillow Talk is okay, and uh, the, all the work he did with Douglas Sirk is very excellent. yes, yes. Cirque. Cirque. Hey. But that's different. That's because Cirque. Not because... <laughs> that is, I, yeah, okay. In my Hudson. personal opinion, I don't care. <laughs> I personally do not care for Rock Hudson. That is Hudson just Hudson came me. into his own. Uh, you know, he he was... He, I will admit, early in his career, he was a terrible actor. His first film, they had to... He had one line. They had to take it 38 times. <gasps> oh, fuck! <laughs> he was hired because he was pretty. <laughs> Would that it twerks so simple. Wait, 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 wait. Do you think Rod Hudson was on a casting couch? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) It's possible. Oh, my goodness. I mean. (laughs) I'm I'm not. That had to be a thing, right? I I wish. 
Dear listeners, in case you oh. didn't live through the 80s, Rock Hudson was the first person to of, publicly... Of, to, with, well, with, well he, he was uh, he was a heartthrob for many female... Yes. Heteros, ...heteronormative people mm-hmm. who who decided that... And he it, was, he was yes. a manly lead man. Yes, he was full of masculinity yes. and, and all things but, therein. But he was the first very public fi- figure to die of AIDS. Yes. And th- that's because he was, was gay. as gay as a tree of full of parakeets. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, uh, the way... A lot of that went down was, you know, of course, there was big cover-up when he yep. got sick. You know, they were saying, the studio announced it was cancer and all that stuff. And then uh, eventually he came out and said it was AIDS and then was helping look for a cure. And this was 1985, so yep. it was still it was a ways away. But, um, yeah, uh, he's... Wasn't a great actor. He he did kind of come into his own in the fifties and sixties. He was actually nominated for an Oscar for Giant, and I really well, liked his his work as a romantic lead for for women. I, I suppose that's fine, um, especially with Douglas Sirk. Yeah, he made some very good movies. I will give him that. So, uh, it, but. This mm. movie was not one that of was those. That was very early. This was like... <laughs> this was not you, This was very <laughs> early in his career. It's you like, should see Allie's expression. Oh, like, my God. Super oh, my God. It, it, yeah, it was... It was... Yeah. yeah. It was a thing. It, yeah. I would be... I would have been totally okay if that whole section of the film had been yeah, cut. Unnecessary. But, but... I realize... I will say... I will say... Up, setting aside Rock Hudson playing that character... Um, that character is the one who walks in and says, the white people stole our land. That is yes. true. They <laughs> this least... is why, do we all agree this is wrong? That's why we want these guns. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. They, they're all, that is. Okay, that part is. It, yeah. which, is, is which is something I've not really seen it, in it, other Westerns. It is handled Westerns. much better than in other Westerns. Oh, yes. I will say that. It, mm-hmm. it, it kind of. This is this humanizes is, in in a way that most westerns don't. Yes, mm-hmm. their side of of the conflict. Correct. That right. does does not happen in white people centric films. Where, usually, correct. usually, yes. yes. It, it is it is not common. So I will say that at least was like, hey, by the way, this is why they're doing it, not just because they're like, hey, we're bored, let's go kill some white dudes. Right, yeah. which like, is often how it is yes. portrayed. So, so yeah, they're they're just a menace and they're faceless. Of and they the come points in and out of fifty, this is like brings them up to a negative twelve. Right, right, right. Yeah, and it's the <laughs> um, it, in in a, it, it's kind of I feel like indicative of a lot of what this it, this is kind of a subversive movie in. Most of the other films of this era are, you know, woohoo, guns, shooting, shooting, yeah. shooting. And this is very much about the, there is a MacGuffin and it's this pretty, pretty gun and everybody, it's the greed yep. for mm-hmm. this gun that leaves this immense trail of bodies in its wake. I, I was trying to figure out, so aside from the miners, uh-huh. does everyone who shoots the gun die? Um, I don't think that's the case. I'd have to to watch it again and uh or really everybody who it. wants the gun. Yeah, everybody who like lusts after the gun and does something to get it other than like winning it good and proper. Right. I think does is, does, does die. Does die. Yeah. 
bad things well, happen. And even poor Steve, even though he was poor just Steve. given the gun. Yeah. Well, Steve was That's... just an idiot. Well, yes. <laughs> oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. Steve. Don't be Steve. Don't, don't, don't be Steve. <laughs> this is Steve. Steve is yellow. Steve will leave his girlfriend in a broken wagon to run off when the Indians are chasing him. I just don't want Shelly. I just want Shelly Winters to just take out her razor and kill. Half not, of the oh people yeah, because she would. Oh, she yeah. would. Yeah, she'd go. That character would. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I liked. Uh, okay, one thing I really liked about the character was her subtle. Um, they subtly say she knows what the hell is going on. Oh, she yeah. She knows what's up. She is a frontier woman. Yep. She is capable. She looks delicate. She yep. is not. Right. Nope. And she knows how she needs to behave to get by in the right. world. But, like, when she, when she's given the pistol at the shootout with the, in, in the, um, the fight with the, the Sioux, you know, she just, she looks at him and she goes, yes, I know what the last bullet is for. Like. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, and they don't expect. They don't touch on it after yep. that. Uh-huh. It's just that she drops that piece of knowledge, and from that point on, Lynn goes, okay, she's got this. Yeah. Like, all right, you you know that well, she... And, and the whole fragile masculinity of, oh, God. I can't yeah. use your money. It's not, oh, it's not yeah. my Steve, money. Steve, if you would have just been with her money, you would have been alive. Don't be a Steve, <laughs> don't, don't be a Steve. Don't be a Steve. Don't be a Steve. If your girlfriend makes more money than you, just let her. It's yeah. fine. No matter how she makes it. Let's yeah. just get that right out there. Well, Nothing. And, and, and that didn't, I will, to his credit, that did not bother yeah, well, him. Right. But, well, the fact that she had all the money and right, he did right. not bothered him more, I would say more than what she did to get uh, the money. I don't know, because when she started macking on Soldier Boy. Well, but he was just like, oh. Like, yeah. that, that uh, was more like, oh, my girlfriend's going to kiss another dude. Yeah, Steve uh, was full of fragile masculinity. But that, yeah. but that wasn't about her profession. But, that was just about, but but I want to kiss. That is that is true. It was just whiny Steveness. Yes, yes. It was, <laughs> it was not about the fact that she's a saloon girl. Well, then, also the, I know I fucked up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got that face like, yep, I kind of yeah. left you there to die and just kind of yeah. hoped they wouldn't kill you. And to be fair, I'd totally smooch JC Flippin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is would. pretty. He is adorbs. I still, I did, is he Cookie in City Slickers? Who's Cookie in Slitty Slickers? Because he oh, very much reminded I, me of that guy. I, no, I think he passed away long before that. Oh, okay. He, he was in Oklahoma. Thank you. I knew I knew him from uh-huh. somewhere. And the Wild One, and uh, the Killing, and a bunch of. He, has, oh, okay. he has a character actor list as long as you arm, of course. Oh, okay. Uh, he he kind of stopped his career, uh, probably before. It naturally would have ended because later in his career, he wound up getting his leg amputated. Oh my god! He still took roles after that. So every once in a while, you see him in a wheelchair in movies. But uh, he was married to, uh, for a long, long time, to a woman uh, who used to write for the Gidget movies. Oh. Yeah. He's fun. It's it's one of those faces, like, oh yeah, that guy. Because you never forget that face. He's got the perfect character actor face. Yes. And And he's totally sweet. Yeah. He's he's adorable. Yeah. So yeah, I'd smooch him, especially if he was, you know, a hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, this whole movie is a oh, rogues yeah, gallery. Like everybody of, of everybody is in there. Tony Curtis in a tiny, tiny role, very mm-hmm. early in his career too. Anthony Curtis, as he's listed in the credits, <laughs> which really amuses me. Oh, by the way, did you notice? Okay, there was this whole bit of dialogue about high stakes having a hyphen in his name. Yeah. Yeah. Not high in the stakes. credits. 
Oh my god! <laughs> well, he wasn't tired then. He didn't need it to sit on. <laughs> sit on it when I'm tired. I suppose. <laughs> that was so freaking funny. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I laughed for an unreasonable, unreasonable long amount of time after he said, it's got a hyphen and I sit on it when I'm tired. <laughs> yes. God damn <laughs> That's it. just an iconic line. I like, oh, there were a couple of really nice yeah, lines in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I think silently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just think quiet. Yeah. <laughs> He's not people. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, some some really good ones. It it's it's a great script and yeah, it's very cynical for. Yeah, I mean it still in, ends in, in westerns. It still ends up in the in this sort of white hat, black hat. You always yeah. know that very literally white hat, black hat. Yeah, like, and you always know that that Jimmy Stewart is not going to go against his moral code or whatever. However, but he can. You, you don't know what where that line is. Yeah, you don't know what his moral way. code is. Yeah, just yeah. But he has one. Yeah, yeah. But still, that's like a, like a new thing in westerns mm-hmm. of not knowing where that where that code is yeah and I, in the film comments on it's like i think you like going after this guy what happens when yeah, exactly him? Mm-hmm. It, it, what will happen then it's not yeah. like hunting an animal and uh yeah and he, there are points where it's like yeah he's stewart's kind of yeah. in the gray area there so once again it's those noir sensibilities coming along with anthony man yep. and uh and and they play out beautifully i, I yeah. mean i it, it's funny as as we've done more and more more uh, episodes, mm-hmm. like realizing how adjacent the Western genre can be to noir. Yeah, like that was something I never thought of before. Even though I know I enjoyed both um, genres in general, but like realizing how many of the westerns that I really like are actually probably noir. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the people who were working on noir, I mean, a lot of the studios that were doing noir, they were cheap to make and they were right. B movies, and so were a lot of the westerns of the time. That's true. And so there was a lot of kind of cross pollination. Well, and going if on, especially at Republic. Well, yeah, and the way that the studio system was at the time, mm-hmm. like you're just cranking out movies, mm-hmm. you're getting the same people all the time. I mean, somebody works with Anthony Mann over here, and then they go and work on a different set over here, but it's mm-hmm. you know within in the same studio maybe they're going to pick up something that he thought about a character and take it over with them so even if it's like an extra in one of anthony mann's movies then you take it over and suddenly john ford is like oh well that's int- i mean yeah. i know they're not in the same yeah just you know talking theoretically yeah yes, exactly yes. yeah then that yeah, i find that really fascinating and it makes me want to watch more westerns which is not necessarily a good idea yeah yeah, well, especially it, it's so hard to go back to westerns because of oh, the so, so problematic. Oh my oh, god! And, and which is why I, for as much of a movie nerd as I am, westerns are like the. I I did not know a whole lot about westerns until I actually set aside a year and I said, okay, I want to watch like the best twenty westerns. Yeah. Tell me what I should watch. And um, can I God, how much John Wayne did you have to sit through? Not much. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's... he's... I I was given, like, High Noon, and uh, Winchester 73 was one of them. And, yeah, there are some very, very good movies. No, there... Well, the best of any genre. Yeah. Appeals outside of the genre. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and so... 
yeah, the the ones that tend to be really highly praised today are the ones that do stand the test of time, yep. which means they tend to not tweak our more <laughs> modern understandings of yeah of racism and 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 mm-hmm. such things. Ugh. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about Bone Tomahawk while watching this this movie. Uh, Bone Tomahawk, you know, the movie that came out uh, about two years ago now, starring Kurt Russell. No. Oh, it's good. Oh, this is a thing I should look into. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's okay, a, making a note. It, it's, it's also a movie that crosses two genres, and I won't say much because further than that because it, it would be a spoiler. But just thinking about how they treat a lot of the characters there and the the core of that film is um a woman from the town is abducted and kurt russell takes like her husband her husband and a couple other guys from the town and they go out to try and rescue this woman from from these native americans who took her or rather other people and there's a there's a scene very early on in a bar before they set off and there's the local native american comes in who is very articulate and he's clearly the smartest person in the entire movie he's like oh no i know who took her um they're not one of us uh how do i say this uh you don't want to go after him you know that sort of thing they're not uh, interesting yeah but the it's so nice to start seeing westerns come back every so often yeah. in waves and and kind of look at it from uh it kind of turn a lot of those old western tropes on on their heads yeah and well and i think noir yeah. noir does that in general in yeah. some ways it takes your narrative of of whatever genre you're adjacent to yeah whether it's you know romance which is kind of like some of the heist or, mm-hmm. or more um, double indemnity kind of noirs. Yeah. And and it just sort of like warps it. And it's kind of a magic genre in that way. That yeah. I don't know if a lot of other genres have that fluidity. Yeah, it, it's kind of a, a brush you can paint other genres with. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It, it, it's more of a, like a, it's like a way of being. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but but you you often see a lot more discussions of um whereas a lot of genres in these in the 40s and 50s and even lingering on in, into the 60s in some points it was very black and white you know yep black hat white hat and and noir is like ooh there's a lot of yep. there's a lot of gray area in between that we're not talking about let's talk about that yeah and so the moment that J- Jimmy Stewart you know, face plants Dan Duryea into a bar yep. and gets scary. That's a turning point of his career, first yep. of all. Mm. Uh, and it's it's something you don't often see until, you know, you get further on into the history of movies, like when you get into The Searchers and, well, you know, like, it, especially into the 70s. When yeah, you start when you start really, getting your cynical westerns really and your, oh... Yeah. See, and those are the kind of westerns I like, mm-hmm. which means finding older ones from this time period, like in your yeah. black and white. I'm not going to find a lot of the things that I like about them. Right. Because, except for like this one, and mm-hmm. I'm sure there's others, but like that yeah. I know about. They're, they're, they're few and far between. Yeah. Given the, the volume of material that was right. made. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, 
You know what I'd be interested to see is if there was ever a good noir war. But like, because you know, like, because mm-hmm. you got like your, your John Wayne go fight. Yeah. You know. Rah, rah, rah. Rah, rah. America, yay. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to get into like. There are a couple. A, a although, noir painting of that. There there are a couple. Um, Samuel Fuller, uh, the the gentleman who made Shock Corridor and The Naked Kiss. And, oh, okay. And stuff like it. Um, he didn't do so much war films early on, but he did wind up making The Big Red One, which was about 1980, which is okay. really... Uh, it, it's about his personal experiences during World War Two. Okay. But it it really doesn't go for the, your usual war narrative. Well, cause, and and there are other things like that. Um, uh, Robert Aldrich definitely yeah. did a lot of work like well, that. Well, and too. I was gonna say like you know once you start getting into Full Metal Jacket, yeah, and, and, and you're sort work. of platoon, and you're and you're Apocalypse Now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're pulling. I mean, those are not always. But that's all post Vietnam era, right? And, and Vietnam was kind of where we. Yeah, as a nation, kind of went oh, because that was the first time we exactly. were seeing death on TV. Well, and see, war. that's kind of what it was like. You know, I'm, I'm I wish, or I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we, through our podcast, mm-hmm. will discover like you know that gap in between the John Wayne rah 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 like South Pacific mm-hmm. kind of yay war thing and the Full Metal Jacket because I still think oh, that we'll there's. See it. There's in between there. I might I might have to. Well, this is more of a post war film, but uh, Berlin Express. I feel like it's, oh. I think uh, maybe I'll have to bump that one up in the schedule. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, oh, yeah. So back to this movie. Yeah. So back Sorry. to this movie. That's all right. It, it's tangent time. <laughs> uh, oh, don't give me free reign for that, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> Let's see what what else can uh, let's see. We already talked about uh, James Stewart in the last episode. We talked about uh, Shelley Winters when we did Night of the Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, so much about Shelley Winters. Sorry, <laughs> she's delightful. Her name is Miss Manners. Yeah, her name was Miss Manners. Yeah, I was like, is is that a joke? Are you making a joke at our expense? Miss Lola Manners. All right. <laughs> was it, what did I? What was it that I said to you that made you laugh? Really? Oh my god! Because um, I was referencing Night of the Hunter. Because yeah. she was oh, in oh, it. Oh 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> Joseph Cotton taught me how to float underwater. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was so wrong, so wrong, and so hilarious. <laughs> Although technically it would be uh, uh, Robert Mitchum. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. But but uh, yeah, yes, scary that, that is what you said. But yes. <laughs> yes. Scary. Scary. Uh, scary. Robert Mitchum is, is scary. scary. But, oh God. Scary. Yes. Joseph Cotton is even scarier. Yes. They're both so scary. Short wires. Short circuits are our brain wiring, and we're just like uh, the, the the scary one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> scary man. Scary man. <sighs> Let's see who else. Um. Oh, speaking of Dan Dur, yeah. <laughs> One of the favorite people, it's smarmy is smarmies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Smarmy. Um, the oh god, what was his uh, what was his name in the movie? Um, he was he was Waco, Waco Johnny. Waco oh Johnny. yeah, Waco yeah. Johnny Dean. Waco Johnny Dean. Yeah, he Fastest drawn Texas. Why limit me, baby? Yes, <laughs> that was a cute line. He had some of the lie. great lines. I will I will admit. <laughs> 
sleazeball, but yeah. but kind of enjoyable to right. watch. Right, that he made you a know? whole career of that. Because mm-hmm. he was in stuff like, um, actually, we, when we watched Ministry of Fear, ah. he was the tailor. Thank you. Because remember, yes. like he just kind of steals a scene. Yes, uh, he did. He, he's also, uh, he also smarms all over Scarlet Street, which is something we will watch uh, eventually. He's also in Pride of the Yankees and a bunch of other stuff, but he's, also, he's in a lot of the noir. TV movie remake of this film. Yes, yes. He was actually playing one of the other brothers of uh, yeah, Lynn. In, yeah, in he the, plays a character named Bart McAdam. Bart. Mm-hmm. Which is super Western. Very, very so Western. Well, he started out as an English major in Cornell, and then he went into advertising. Whoa. Like it, you do. Like you do. And so he, he went into advertising and was apparently fairly good at it but it was so high pressure that he wound up having a heart attack while he was in his <gasps> late 20s oh my god and so the, that. his doctor said mm, you need a different career so he picked acting and uh you know had a, had a long long career of it and he was um you know for being kind of this every man evil guy <laughs> he, he very rarely got the opportunity to play good people uh, but he just kind of, kind of owned it. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm very employable because I play mm-hmm. villains very well. He's all right. right. And, all and right. doesn't, doesn't mind doing mm-hmm. it. Apparently he was a very nice guy. He was a scout master and he liked gardening. And... Yeah. I was, I was looking through his, uh, IMDB credits cause I'm like, okay, what else do I know him from? Everybody. Oh, I don't know. Maybe like the 17 fucking times he appeared on Wagon Train or Bonanza or, <laughs> or like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh yeah. So he's been in every Western TV show that I watched with my dad as a kid. Okay. He was very employable. Yeah. Yes. During that era. He's, yes. And he's just got a great face and yeah. is the jaw. Yeah. Like he's got the, the Western, you know, yeah. he's, he's got the black hat look. Yeah. He's got the, the look like handsome but also he can tur- he he smiles and is like oh you're skeezy yeah, yeah he, can do, he can do a genuine smile but yeah. he'll, he'll do that that quirk up at the corner of his mm-hmm. mouth on just one side and his and the flash of teeth and it's like oh oh easy there <laughs> uh let's see who else who else um we had uh millard mitchell who played high spade he was in singing in the rain Yay! And 12 o'clock high. We had uh, Charles Drake playing Steve Miller. Uh, he Don't be a Steve. Steve. <laughs> Charles Drake was uh, in Harvey. He was the doctor in Harvey. Oh my god, uh-huh. you're right! Yes! He was, he's also in the Glenn Miller story, also with, with Stuart. Uh, Pennsylvania 65,000. Yeah. And it came from outer space. <laughs> uh, he's another... Uh, immensely employable actor during that era. He, he was just a, uh, all over the place. He, he had, I, I counted, I looked at his IMDb list. He has 13 movie credits in 1941 alone. So he was the Nicolas Cage of his time? Kind of, well, he wasn't, he didn't ham it up. He was just, uh, a character actor, uh, just, less just doing his thing. Okay. Less Cage, yeah. more Trejo. Oh, th- thank you. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. He plays a Steve very well. He does. I will say. Oh, Steve. <laughs> and, and James Best, who played Crater, small, small role. He was... He, <laughs> he was Roscoe P. Coltrane. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Right? <laughs> so young. It's so oh young. Oh my god. <laughs> he, he was part of uh, uh, Burt Reynolds' posse. Yes. So he, he's in Hooper, which is a great little movie. Uh, Rolling Thunder and all this stuff. Uh, he he just passed away, too. He, he passed away um, a year, year, maybe Aww. two ago. But yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Let's go, E. Coltrane. He was kind of, he was my favorite in Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> oh, we, we, yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about uh, Will Gear for a moment, who played Wyatt Earp. Early. Yes. 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 So Grandpa Walton. Grandpa right? Walton. Yeah. Okay. Grandpa Walton. <laughs> he was also the prosecutor in, in Cold Blood. Ah. And he played Bear Claw and Jeremiah Johnson. That's an interesting story too. That one I don't know. He was super lefty, like mega full communist. Nice. Wow. He was a politi- political agitator. He toured around with Woody Guthrie and Burl Ives <gasps> to, to the war camps and uh, wow. uh, to the war camps and uh, in the 1930s and was singing for them and and uh, he got blacklisted. No shit. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am shocked. Mm-hmm. Shocked that he would have been blacklisted. Mm-hmm. And even though he did marry a couple women, had had a couple kids, uh, he was a longtime lover of Harry Hay, who was a Los Angeles communist who founded the first large-scale gay activist wow. organization. Wow. Did not know so, that. That's so. awesome. And he also had a, apparently he had a hobby of gardening, but only with the plants mentioned by William Shakespeare. Interesting. That's kind of cute. Right? I like that. Yeah. That's like, I'm going to pick a hobby, but I'm not going to let it get out of hand. How can I do that? Oh. I know. Here's my hard limits. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like self. It's like two nerdy passions put together. Yeah. That's really cute. And you get to be extra nerdy about it. Yeah. Because you can be like, this one was from Sonnet 112. Yes. <laughs> that, that's like full blown super nerd right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I like it. Oh. Now, yeah, right. I mean, like I liked him before, but now he's like old Grandpa Walton. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I I also need to talk. There were a lot of interesting people who worked on this movie. Um, uh, Robert L. Richards, who was one of the two people who wrote the screenplay, also wrote Gorgo, which is what happens when <gasps> England decides they want a Godzilla movie. Oh my! Ah! Right. <laughs> <laughs> he also uh was a big writer for suspense the radio show yeah and one of the one of their very best episodes came from him the house in cypress canyon <gasps> which is a bizarre Ooh. story uh but he was um also blacklisted during the mccarthy era and his career never uh. resurfaced after that so he <laughs> He was very embittered, and he moved to Mexico and became a carpenter, and that was <laughs> what he did. As you do. As you did, do. did he leave a, a rock in a field for Morgan Freeman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I haven't gotten to the other screenwriter. Uh-oh. Oh, okay, so, <clears throat> Borden Chase, a.k.a. Frank Fowler... <laughs> Born Frank Fowler, he uh, he also worked on Red River and Vera Cruz, a bunch of other westerns of, of this time. 
He used to be the chauffeur for Frankie Yale, who was one of the biggest mobsters in, the, in New York City in the 1920s. So he was the regular driver for this guy, along with another gentleman named James Capone. And just by luck, one day um, there was like an emergency. Frankie Yale uh, heard that his girlf- girlfriend or wife, I can't remember, had some sort of threat and something weird happened. So he drove himself to uh, see what was going on, and that was the day he was hit by Capone's men, <gasps> and he died. So it was just happenstance that Frank Fowler, aka Born Chase, was not there. So uh, he was freaked out by that, and he decided to instead um, uh, have a change of career, and he started digging the Holland Tunnel what? with a bunch of other people. <laughs> <laughs> it like wasn't just him digging the Holland Tunnel. I, I will make that clear. Uh, so it's <laughs> just like, well, fuck this. I'm gonna go dig a tunnel. Yeah. I'm going to go underground. No, really, no, seriously, seriously, <laughs> underground. So uh, while he was working in the Holland Tunnel, one of his coworkers died in a accident, as people did during those days when they were digging tunnels, and that was uh, the point where he said, "Oh, I have an idea for a story," and so he started writing. And so that particular story was published as a novel named Sandhog, which was picked up by 20th Century Fox and produced under the name Under Pressure. And ever since then, he uh, said, "Mm, well, maybe I should change my name. And that's how uh, Borden Chase uh, Hmm. became his name, because he went, I I think he actually, and no lie, this is where his name came from. Uh, The name of a milk company and the name of the bank like right. Chase, it just smash them together, and that's his name. Rock Hudson, kind of the same thing. Yeah, Rock of Gibraltar and the Hudson River. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. Yeah. So uh, he did a lot of work. He wrote a lot for Argosy, the the pulp oh, magazine, sure. and did a lot of screenwriting. Uh, he was uh, on the other side of the blacklist. He was like uber conservative. Mm. Uh, okay, on, on the other, which is interesting. It's like, how did you get involved in this movie, dude? But, uh, yeah, he was a member of the Motion Picture Alliance for the Preservation of American Ideals. But he oh. was he was very much of the kind of, um, I'm from New York and I, I earned my dollar and, and okay. very, very sure. much of that ilk. And uh, there is a cocktail named after him. Oh. Mm. So, interesting guy. Is it a good cocktail? It is Scotch whiskey, vermouth, pernod, and bitters. I don't know any of those things except for whiskey. I gotta try it. I feel like we could take that list to a bar and have them make that for us if they don't like possibly know. tonight. Yes, we yes. can do this. Woo-hoo! Yes. Yay! We'll try it for science. Of course. For science. And uh, this all this whole story came from a guy named Stuart N. Lake who had to sue the studio to get credit. Um, but he as was, you do, he was also <laughs> the novelist who wrote the book that My Darling Clementine was based on, oh. and a whole bunch of other things. He was a westerns novelist. He wrote a best-selling uh, biography of Wyatt Earp and a whole bunch of novels about Wyatt Earp. And then uh, it turns out most of that biography was fiction. And so, yeah, right. <laughs> uh fan fiction. <laughs> uh, but before becoming a writer, he was a professional wrestling promoter. <laughs> All right. And he also was an aide to Theodore Roosevelt during his Bull Moose presidential campaign. Huh. Interesting. Actually, I will read this sentence verbatim from Wikipedia because 
I thought it was amazing. It's a full paragraph on Wikipedia. It's two sentences. Before becoming a writer, Lake had been a professional wrestling promoter and a press aide to Theodore Roosevelt during the Bull Moose presidential campaign in 1912. During World War I, he was run over by a truck. <laughs> right? Paragraph. Oh, Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, then. Never change. Never change. That. That's amazing. During World War I, what? he, he was, was run over by, by a truck. truck. That sounds like a line that would have made it into an essay I wrote in <laughs> junior high. It's like, where do I put this? Um, right here. During World War I, he was run over by a truck. All right, next subject. Okay. He okay. got better. We covered like, World War One. <laughs> World War One. That was Trump. the only notable thing that happened. He got better. Moving on. <laughs> he also get turned into a newt. A newt. Better. That's absurdity. I love it. Oh, beautiful. Oh. I love the internet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oh, so, so getting back to the film itself, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff about the film too, because uh, Stewart. Th- this was made on the cheap. It was by Universal, but uh, you know, not much of a budget behind it. Uh, Jim Stewart's asking price about this time was two hundred thousand dollars, which was yeah, that's well, a, more than yeah. what they could afford, and so Stewart accepted percent of. The tickets. Nice. The first of deal of its time like that. Wow. So like I think there were there were deals like that done in the silent era, but uh this was new for anybody so under the studio like, system. Yeah, I was gonna this say. was it was ultimately what led what to the downfall. Broke the studio because, system. Yeah, because he, he got uh it's estimated about six hundred thousand dollars off of that deal. Wow. Yeah. So you know, he got to make the movie he wanted to do because he's like, yeah, I think this could break me out of the, the rut that I seem to be yeah. in. Yeah. And, uh, and he got handsomely paid. Yeah, literally uh, audiences were kind of like, Stuart in a Western. <laughs> and test audiences were kind of giggling at it until he's, he he smashed, totally smashed the dude's face. When he smashed the dude's face into the bar, they're like, oh. Oh, he he had also made a movie the same year. It was filmed before this one, but released after, uh, called Broken Arrow, which is oh also kind of in the yeah same wheelhouse. I've heard of that yeah. one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he went on to things do things like Liberty Valley. <gasps> God, I love Liberty Valley so hard. It's so great. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's also uh, Fritz Fritz Lang was originally going to direct what? Oh. <gasps> Right? That would have been an interesting choice. But he had to drop out, so uh, Anthony Mann got the job. Wow. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll talk about Anthony. It's like, oh my god, I haven't talked about Anthony Mann yet. Ugh. Anthony Mann was a director of, as I mentioned in the intro, he was a director of cheap-ass noir flicks yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, leading up to this. And so he... Started out in Broadway like a lot of people did, and then he became a, a casting director under David O. Selznick. Uh, he worked on Gone with the Wind and Rebecca oh, sure. and, and all this stuff, so he, he made good connections there. But very soon, he was assigned assistant directorships, and so he worked at Paramount as an assistant director for a while. 
And then uh, he started uh, doing, you know, freelance work for Republic and and so on and so forth. And then he went to MGM in 1949 and finally broke through at Universal. And, and Universal was the studio that started him making Westerns. And all of his Westerns are just, are like this or even more cynical. Wow. Where they're psychological and they're kind of criticizing the genre yeah. and then he goes off and makes the glenn miller story which is this sweet beautiful, oh god little, little uh, uh, nostalgic movie it's Pennsylvania six five thousand <laughs> yeah uh eventually he near the end of his career he was he had two big 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 flops one was el cid well, and, and the other was uh fall of the roman empire and it was just the one-two punch that pretty much so but like i thought career. el cid had some well, it's, it's it's generally thought of well. Yeah, now. I was gonna say because it, it but it was it didn't a, make Charlton Heston, but Charlton Heston was a big deal. Well, yeah, in it wasn't he? Yeah, and it but the the thing is, it didn't make money. Oh. It, it was like a, a it was big budget picture. If I okay, remember right, and it just didn't it didn't go. So like a Cleopatra kind of thing. Yeah, okay. kinda. And so uh, unfortunately, Anthony Mann he he died while shooting a movie called The Dandian Aspect, which was later. Uh, finished by the man who starred in oh. the movie, but he he died fairly early. Yeah, according, not much is known about his early life. Mm-hmm. Like there are conflicting stories oh, about where he came from and what his childhood. Not much is known, but uh, Peter Ustinov, who was apparently a good friend of his, said that he had heard that. Anthony Mann grew up in a strange religious cult. Oh my! <laughs> oh, at, in a little mountain community, and he spent most of his childhood walking around naked. <laughs> well, all right then. I'm gonna choose to believe that. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Was, let's go with it. Sure. Let's rock. <laughs> Is it in Wikipedia? Yeah. And then he was hit by a truck. <laughs> then he was hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Make it to truck. That's all you need to know. Okay, so more true stories. <laughs> uh, Henry Brown uh, is the the name of a famous Kansas outlaw. Not quite the same story, but this amuses me. The real life Brown, uh, he started out in New Mexico uh, during the uh, Lincoln County War. He later moved to Caldwell, Kansas and became town marshal. Hmm. And for the service of the community, for, for uh, th- they thanked him. By giving him a rifle. And then he went and robbed a bank with that rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, like there, you there, do. Was even, there was even a, a plaque on the stock of the, with his name on it. Wow. Like, like you kind of see in the movie. Uh, let's see. There was also the, uh, the shooting early in the movie where they're throwing coins up in the air and shooting. Real deal. Damn. The guy they had uh, performing that stunt, he was this guy that Winchester had basically on the payroll to do uh, just marksmanship, sure. marksmanship stuff. And that, that guy was apparently just amazing. So the shooting a bullet through the postage stamp in the middle of a washer. Would... That they threw in the air? Mm-hmm. Really? Apparently, they threw it in the air? Apparently. That's why. They didn't have to. I know. Holy shit! <laughs> it could be just Hollywood legend, but I definitely think that I definitely know that he was shooting at the coins. Oh yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah, that's not movie magic. That's that's just a guy shooting at coins in the air. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
while making this movie, Universal did some advertisement by, they bought magazine ads and asked if anybody out there had 1873 oh. Winchesters around. And uh, that was actually the campaign that brought a lot of previously unknown instances of the one in a thousand out. So, oh. uh, yeah. So, so a lot, wait, of, a lot so of historians, you know, they, people have... Hmm? Not really? One in a thousand? Was that like a marketing thing, Winchester the, the one, The one in a thousand was basically a limited edition oh, rifle so it, that they did. So the, the, the regular uh, 1873 Winchester was, uh, quote-unquote, the, the gun that won the West because it was a, a reliable gun. It was a repeater. Right. And as they discussed in the movie, it was a... Uh, major improvement over the single shot right, rifles. Right. And so everybody had a Winchester's 1873. It was kind of general issue for a lot okay. of uh industries that required guns, let's say. But the one in a thousand was a limited edition, very few were made. Okay. So item. it wasn't that they were actually like, oh randomly this gun is perfect. Right. It was still a marketing thing, but yeah. they were still special. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. And like I said, they they a few of them are still out there these days. They sell for a lot of money. <laughs> a nice touch when uh, Rock Hudson first appears, he is wearing a Jefferson medal, which was given out by Lewis and Clark. Oh. Uh, on their adventures out west, and so uh, those medals were often handed down father to son. Nice. After, uh, in, in within these tribes, so he's wearing one of them. Uh, the scene where they're playing poker and he draws aces and eights. Yeah. The dead man's hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Dude. Dude. Dude, that's not. Put put the. I don't care what you have to draw. Yeah. Just get rid Just of something. One other, one other card. Oh, it's a rough flush. <laughs> or, no, it's not a rough flush. It's a full house. Yeah. 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 I, I don't I don't know my poker very well. But I know that. But the dead man's hand is the hand that, well, Bill Hickok had. Right. Except the, the, the difference it, it, was, in it, this it was one, two it pair. was... That was two pair. Right. Yeah. Man, it still was kind of a dead man's hand for him, I suppose. Well, I thought it was. Didn't he have three aces? No. Hickok had uh, aces and eights, two pair. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that's why the line is, I almost had a dead man's hand. Right. But he had the... No, but I picked up on the aces and eights, yeah. except for he had three aces. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I think that's about what I've got. Uh, wow. That's, uh, there, there was so much trivia. I'm, I'm just reading about these, some of these people, and it's like, dear lord. <laughs> Old Hollywood is kind yeah. of fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you start digging into this stuff, especially Will Gear. It's like, I had no idea. Grandpa Walton. Yeah, go Grandpa Walton. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> huh. So, yeah, I like this movie in spite of its uh, some of the deep, deep flaws that yeah. are, are in here. and It certainly could yeah. have been a lot worse. Oh, yeah. Well, if it had been a lot worse, we wouldn't have been watching it. Well, I suppose that's true. Yeah. I, I curate these very carefully. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of I had uh, a moment where it was like, okay, so the uh, I'm hoping Joan Crawford from... Uh, Johnny Guitars, like, in the next town over. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I kind of want to see Joan Crawford fight Grandpa Walton. Joan, Joan, 
Wait a second. Does, yeah, it did say. Yes. Yeah. I almost said Joan Collins. I was like, that's a different joke. No, no, that's yes, a different joke. That's a completely different kettle of fish right there. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, Joan, Wa- Joan Crawford hooking up with, with Grandpa Walton. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of cool. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and our, our... <laughs> well, oh, here's, here's a little bit of trivia too. This is really deep cut trivia. So, oh, Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> oh, who was it? Uh, I think it was Dan Duria. Yes, 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 yes. Dan Duria. Okay, so when he was at Cornell, he was president of the, the Dramatic Society or whatever it was for... The, this is Steve. The, no, this no, is... No, uh, Dan Duria. Waco Johnny Dean. Oh, thank you. I just scrolled past Steve and I went, oh, Steve. <laughs> um, so he was president of the Dramatic Society at Cornell. Uh, he apparently came into that position right after Francho Tone, a.k.a. The guy who married Joan Crawford for a while and then uh, went off and married Barbara Payton for a that while. Guy. That guy. Oh, that, that guy. That guy. Oh, mm. I don't like that guy. Mm. Neither do I. Okay, anyway. <laughs> now I'm out. <laughs> I'm sure I'll think of more. Oh, wow. <laughs> we this should movie. I don't, so I just like when Westerns are like, okay, so we have to set it in Dodge. Yeah, and it has that yeah. quiet herb. Yep. And, and you know it's a deep cut if they're like, and also Bat Masterson. Yep. Because, like, it, it, name drop, boom. Yeah, yeah. It's like, everybody does wider. Throw Bat Masterson in there. That's not how yeah. they'll know we're, we're legit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. We totally made up the stuff about wider. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so I'm. I talked about Jeremiah Johnson, or mentioned it uh, in passing. I'm actually reading a book right now uh, that is the, it is a documentation of the oral history about the guy that Jeremiah Johnson was based on. And this is a guy who came home one day to find his wife had been murdered by the crows and uh, went on a, a, a lifetime killing spree because of it. Joy? Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, I don't think that's what Jeremiah Johnson was about. Anyway. <laughs> that's not healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah. <laughs> it, the book is called, uh, oh, I can't remember. I think it's called Killer of Crows, The, the Tales of of uh, Liver-Eating Johnson. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Talking, talking about that's the difference between Westerns and what actually happened. Yeah. Yikes. There's apparently a mountain man who went around for the rest of his life killing crows and eating their livers. Wow. Not the bird. Yeah, yeah, that's people. That's fucked up. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Healthy coping mechanisms. Tangent. Anyway, so we should go before we have another tangent. And uh let's see, uh dear wow. listeners, please join us next time because we are going to conclude our trio of Jimmy Stewart films with Rear window. <gasps> Yay! Which is a delight. So I'm looking forward to that. And I have been Melissa. And I've been joined by Tanya and Allie. And the three of us will see you next time. Or you'll hear us next time. Whatever the it is. Thing. You won't see us. Unless you're here. That'd be creepy. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, anyway. Rear Bye. window would make sense, though. That's true. Oh. Point. Oh. <laughs> right, I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go get drunk. Yeah, all let's right. Do that. Okay. Bye. 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 
We hope you enjoy our film fixation. We'll see you next time on Anwar Education. Thank you for joining us for a real education noir. New episodes arrive on the 7th and 21st of every month. You can find our podcasts and social media feeds on our website at realedunoir.com. Special thanks to Tim Wick, Jeffrey Brown, and Chad Dutton for our theme music. If you like our show, you might also like our parent podcast, A Real Education, which discusses all genres of film. You can find it on the web at realedu.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time. You know, I ain't felt so naked since the last time I took a bath. You got a long memory.